0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, my name is Larry Lieber, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Vindley, as usual, and I have another interview today, and this one is with Larry Lieber, who did a lot of writing and drawing for Marvel Comics in the very early days, in the 60s, even before that, when they were still Atlas. Some of his best work is in the Western comics, and uh, and he scripted a whole lot of Stanley's early stories, including Ant-Man and Thor and, uh, and Iron Man, and, and he was there from the start, and he also happens to be Stanley's brother, so that's pretty cool, too. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to hear all sorts of stories from the Golden Age of Marvel Comics. Uh, just before we get into there, please search us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like and follow all of those things, and you'll get some updates about upcoming episodes, and I'll post some pictures, and have a general conversation about epic collections. You know, it's, it's fun stuff. I encourage you to head over there and be a part of our little community. And you can also go to patreon.com slash thunderquack and become a supporter and help us out keeping this podcast going uh, through your donations it's it's it'll be a really big help if you help us out with that and plus if you do you can get some exclusive interviews and podcasts from a bunch of our other co-hosts on the on the Thunderquack podcast network so this is a thrill i, I was so happy to talk to larry he is an incredibly great guy very nice has some funny stories um so please enjoy this interview with Larry Lieber. I would love to hear about just uh, how you got associated with, uh, with Stan and with um, the comics. They weren't called Marvel back then. Um, in the first right. place, what can you tell me about that?
1: Well, I needed a job. And I was too slow. I was basically an artist, okay? Okay. And and I was and, and I wanted to go on and become an illustrator, a painter, and so on. But I had to earn a living, and I drew uh, too slowly. And Stan offered me writing. At the time, they were putting out. Um, this is before the superheroes. And they were putting out, I guess, what we'd call monster books. Right. You know, you know Strange Tales, Tales to Astonish, I uh, forget them. Uh,
0: Tales of the, Suspense.
1: Yeah, right, right. All of those ones, yep. Th- those books. And uh, he asked if I wanted to write, and I said, I'm not a writer. And uh, he, he said, oh, you can write. I read your letters in the service, you know. I had been in the Air Force for four years. Uh, a few years previously, okay I said well all right I, I i need it, you know and he he said, I'll teach you what you need to know, and he did. <laughs> I started writing those those uh, i don't know what were they six page stories, eight page stories, something like that, yeah, and for for mostly for Jack Kirby, I guess, and some other don heck and I don't know there might have been some other people. And I started writing, and, and that was it. Uh, the way I wrote, uh, having been trained—or what training I had—was as an artist. I did it in uh, almost like storyboards, and I'd lay it out at first in pencil, panel by panel, and sort of visualize it all. And then I—I I bought a typewriter, then went with me to some shop on Lexington Avenue and I bought a second-hand portable typewriter I think it was called a Remington writer and uh, I bought a typewriter table and I was living in a furnished room in Tudor City Uh, an elderly woman had about I don't know how many rooms, five rooms in her apartment and she rented uh, a couple of them out or, or maybe two so I had a very small room below the ground. Uh, there was no air conditioning, and you couldn't buy one and put it in because the windows were French. They opened out, so you couldn't put an air conditioner in there. Oh, okay. And New York can get pretty hot in the summer. You right. know? And I lived there, for, uh, and, and now, now actually what uh, the way we did it was Stan liked his own plot. So he would make up a, a rough plot. He'd type it out and he'd give it to me, and I had this little plot for a six-page story, whatever the monster was or whatever the the story was. And then I went ahead and you know laid it out on paper, and then that, that went back to my room with the typewriter and typed it up and wrote it. Then I'd bring it into Stan and he'd correct it. And the more he corrected, the more I learned. And that's how I got started in comics. Wow. Yeah, this began in 1958. Nice. If if you want the exact date, it's June twenty-eighth, 1958.
0: Okay, wow.
1: Okay. And (laughs) and you
0: you worked with a number of, uh, like you've already mentioned Jack Kirby.
1: Mostly, I think it was, uh, you know, yeah.
0: Now tell me a little bit about Jack and um, how he interpreted your stories.
1: Oh boy, that's a hard. Re- it should be an easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah, but it's a difficult one. It's difficult because I seldom met him. Okay, I would send it to him. You know, I was I I would I would type up a full script, and I gave him instructions. You know, panel one this, panel two that. Jack didn't require many. I think I think the only real instruction I gave to, to any of the artists was. If, if, if there was one panel, let's say the aliens were coming down and, and coming out of a spaceship or something and the town was fleeing in terror, I'd and that was panel three, I'd say, please play up panel three, you know? Okay. Meaning, meaning don't play up panel one, which is a close-up of the hero <laughs> yeah. or villain or somebody. Play up the action scene, the, the interesting scene. Nice. And Kirby, I probably didn't even have to say that to because he he automatically would have done it, I would imagine. But I never spoke to him about the stories. What I do know is he was very fast at drawing. I think he, at that time he was drawing three pages a day. Holy cow. Yeah. I felt he could draw faster than I could write, so, <laughs> which which isn't usually the case. Yeah. So so it was. Uh, I had to keep writing, and I remember going to the office and Stan saying, "Hey, Jack needs another story for the weekend. You better write it." And 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 I'd I'd be writing, and and on a weekend the post offices were closed, all except the main post office, which I I think it was on 34th Street or someplace and Eighth Avenue or something. Yeah. And and I'd run over there to that post office to mail it to Jack. You know. <laughs> and 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 he was he was, he was good he he knew how to tell the story and he did it i didn't think that much uh you know he wasn't drawing then in the same style that he later got right you know that he later started to draw when he did the superheroes yeah and i felt this is my own opinion i don't know if anybody else agrees with me but i felt that my the style might have come about because of all these of, of all these inanimate objects that came to life particularly there was one i think called colossus who who was made of stone mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know if you've ever seen it but if you have and and uh, after a while i thought his people began to be a little like stone you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> a, a little angular a little different from 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 the soft human way right. that he used to draw them which made it very stylized very interesting and uh, uh once we had the superheroes he really um he re- he really took off yeah uh, he he, he he cared a great deal about the about it, and he did a well. He was the best, yeah. probably comic artist.
0: Well, how about Don Heck? You mentioned him earlier as well. Tell me a little uh, bit about Heck, Don. Heck,
1: I also never met. Okay, <laughs> for a guy who's in the field as long as I was, I met so few people. <laughs> I would just go to the office, drop him off to stand, and 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 leave. Um, that I never met, but I liked his drawing, mm-hmm. and he was a very good inker. Yeah, he, he had his own style, and he was good. He was he was quite good, and uh, that's all I that's all I can say about Don. You know.
0: Yeah, um, how about Dick Ayers?
1: Dick Ayers was um, he, he could turn out a lot of work. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I don't think he was in a class. I personally. Don't think he was as good. His artwork was as fine as uh, as Heck or Kirby. Right. But uh, he could, he he could turn out work, and he he was good. And he was a good inker, I guess. He he inked everybody, I, I believe. He used to ink Kirby at times.
0: Um, did he ink, ever ink any of your work?
1: I don't know. Okay. I really don't remember who did what. You know, I. I couldn't tell you that. I I remember there was another inker, Paul Reinman, you oh, know, yeah. if you know him. Yes. And he had been a painter, and I, I happen to like his inking. And I, he might have inked some of my stories, but it had a painterly feel about it, a very loose feel.
0: Mm-hmm. I know another person who inked your work is George Bell.
1: You know, I don't know who George Bell was. Okay. <laughs> Is George, I, I know the name, and, and this sounds silly. Was that his real name, or was that somebody else who used the name? I remember the name George Bell, but I never knew if it was somebody who maybe wasn't supposed to be inking or didn't want it known and used that name. I, I, I don't know.
0: His, it's actually, I just looked it up, uh, George Rousseau. Oh, it was George Russo. Yes,
1: ah, George, I believe was also a colorist. Right, and and he was good. He was a very good colorist as an inker. I can't tell you how good he was. Probably in 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 the class with Dick Ayers, you know, the, the, that type.
0: Sure. There was a,
1: another inker. I don't know if he ever inked my stuff, but he was one of the the two best inkers we had, I believe. If you if you call uh, John, uh, Don Hecker, uh forgetting him for a moment, but the two best guys who, who did inking uh, primarily were Frank Giacoia, who also was a personal friend mm-hmm. and who I liked more than anybody else uh, as a person, and also he was a wonderful inker, and also Joe Sinnott. Yes, and Sinnott inked a lot of Kirby stuff later on the superheroes. Right. And he, he was a very good inker, very good. Uh, and those were our two best inkers, I think, at Marvel.
0: So can you tell me a little bit more about Frank?
1: Frank, was always, Frank wanted, I think, to be a penciler, and he had done some penciling. And he was, I think, frustrated because he couldn't turn out the penciling fast enough. So he did inking, and um, he, as I said, he was very good, and inking was no problem to him. He used to call it sometimes when they, they'd give him tough jobs to do, by which I mean the penciling was very loose and not very good, okay. and they wanted him to make it look good, you know? Right. So they'd give it to him. He called it, I'm de it. <laughs> that was his <laughs> word. Yeah. I de-uglify it. I, I make it less ugly. And uh, he, he he was very, you know, good. But he was always late. And um, I was late, not as late as him. But I was late because, uh, frankly, I just wasn't fast. It was a struggle for me to draw. When I was drawing, okay? Yes. It was hard for me. In his case, it wasn't because it was hard. But rather, he procrastinated. <laughs> okay. I'm at a pre- if if I yeah because he could draw as he could ink as fast as anybody. I mean, was, there was no problem. He was good. I was trying to make it look good, and I wasn't good enough. I feel at the time to do it. So I had to, I had to work hard to get my drawing out. The writing was something else, and even the writing I was slow in in a way because I was learning. But I I did learn, and uh, there was a time, let's see, when Stan and John Buscema, whom I think was the best drawer of them all, mm-hmm. he, we I haven't spoken about it, him yet, but yeah. I will I will if you wish. Sure. And they had a school. They started a drawing school, and it went for I I guess a couple of years, I I'm guessing. And uh, in the last year, Stan had the idea, why don't we teach writing, too? And he asked me if I would teach it. So I took all that Stan had taught me, and I remember I put it on little index cards, and I went once a week to this. It was in some hotel around 42nd Street in Lexington, I think, uh, near Lexington. And I taught, you know, writing. And that was kind of fun, and they, I had about ten students, and they really enjoyed it. And when I was through, they gave me a book and a large book on magic, and because the, the, it had a, it, it was large in size. And when they opened it up, they all wrote something in there. It was very complimentary, and I was very proud of it Aww. for years. Yeah, that's that, nice that they appreciated it, my, you know, whatever I had to say. And uh, so those were my years there. Then uh w- what happened I guess when, when Stan started to make the superheroes, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. I guess
1: the first one was the Fantastic Four and he was getting into that and I didn't I didn't want to go along with it. Number one I began to like stories and I liked stories that were a little more realistic. And I felt superhero stories, of course, are more fanciful
0: yep. than
1: them. So at the time, Jack Kirby had been doing a Western called The Rawhide Kid. And he was giving it up because the Westerns weren't selling well. As a matter of fact, all those books that I was doing before, you know, which we mentioned, all those monster books. <laughs> when, I, when I started working on them, I asked Martin Goodman, who was the publisher, and uh, I asked him once. I said, "How would you describe this business that I'm sort of going into?" You know, he said, "I'd call it a dying industry." <laughs> yeah, which wasn't too cheerful to hear. You right. Know? Yeah, of course. Well, when Stan started to write. Uh, the uh, I think the first one was a Fantastic Four, and Kirby was drawing it, and then things changed. It was no, you know, and they, it gradually got better and better, and then with other characters coming, and uh, I, I guess the most popular one was Spider-Man when that came. Yeah. And so things then were different. Stan, at that time, I believe, started to write in a manner that was how can I put it, individualistic. He began to talk to the reader. He developed more of a style mm-hmm. in his writing, right? I think, you know? Yep, oh, for with sure. The, with, the, with the superheroes. And I didn't want to follow that style, although he never said I had to. And I just wanted to d- do something on my own a little bit. Well, when Kirby gave up the western. Which, which wasn't selling much anyway, uh, and moved into the superhero, Stan Orford me nee, the Rawhide Kid. And at the time he said, uh, I remember, he said, Larry, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to let you write it and draw, uh, and draw it. I won't even edit it, because if you could do the best book, it'll only sell so many copies, And if you do the worst book, it'll only sell the same amount of copies. (laughs) In in other words, the quality of it, he felt, didn't matter. Oh, (laughs) crazy. So I I knew I wasn't going into the future, you know? Right. The future were going to be the superheroes, but yet I wanted to be individual. I, I wanted to be on my own. So and especially when he said I won't even bother editing it, that gave me more freedom. Yeah, and so I made up my stories. The character, of course, wasn't mine. It had been drawn by Kirby, and and I think even once Jack Davis did one, which was a, a kind of a cartoony looking rawhide kid. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. Yeah, right in in the in 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 Davis manner. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, I drew I wrote it and drew it and I swear I put so much into it. You would think I was doing uh, a movie. And I would think of movies, you know, I say I say this month I'm going to try to match high noon, you know, yeah. or Shane, or this one. I approached it with a seriousness that I don't think anybody had ever approached it before. Wow. But, the, but it still didn't sell. And, you know, when I drew it myself, and I didn't ink it. Uh, somebody else, I don't know, different people inked it. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And once in a while, I was, to my amazement, I would meet somebody who said, you know, I read your raw... I as I, 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 I. It comes to me now. I just remembered. Once I met a fellow who said... That his brother was in the service, and he read my raw kidney, enjoyed it. It meant something to him. I was amazed that anybody would read the damn thing, <laughs> you know, because they they were all reading uh, the, about Iron Man and this and that, and here I'm writing a Western. But I was gratified. It didn't happen often. Now, uh, now many years have passed, of course, and I'll go to. Uh, if I go to a Comic-Con, there will be people that come over and, and, you know, ask me to sign something, to sign their books or yeah. post or whatever. And sometimes somebody will mention, you know, your are right. It was really good. I like it. And there's a writer, a fellow, Tony Isabella. I Do not Do you know of, of him? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, well, he has I a, a, I don't know what you call it, a blog or something on the computer. And I believe once a week, he 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 would talk about the right kid, you know, well, and sort of praise it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah, So 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 that was gratifying, and uh, but then I and I did it. I think for seven years I did this right kid. Well, and that and one then,
0: that one lasted longer than any of the other Western titles, didn't it? It was the last one. I, I don't know. I
1: I never compared them. I I don't know. But but I think, I, I think, now I could be wrong too, but I believe it was seven years I did. And then I, um, what else? After that, I had trouble getting work. I did various things, writing this, that, doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know, it's too detailed and unpleasant to go into.
0: Sure, we don't have to go into it.
1: Yeah, okay. But then Martin Goodman went and opened, started a, the hell whole Seaboard Publications, Atlas Comics, and I went there. That didn't last long, and then I came back, and they had what they called the British Department, which was reprints, and I did that now uh that was nothing thrilling because they were all reprints <laughs> that were being sold in England right except we did make up a strip called Captain Britain you know right uh, and uh, and actually it was drawn different people drew it but one of the people was John Buscema and uh, which I'll, I I got to talk about John a little bit of course Let's see, what else can I tell you? So after that, oh, while I was doing that, Stan was doing the Spider-Man newspaper strip, okay? And it was doing very well. And it was doing so well that uh, the the syndicate thought, or he thought, let's try doing The Hulk in, in a newspaper strip. So he wrote The Hulk, and I was penciling it. But the Hulk, unfortunately, didn't do so well. So because it wasn't doing well, Stan said, "Larry, I'm not going to bother with this. I'll I'll let you write it and draw it also." <laughs> and so for a period of time, I wrote the Hulk, and I drew it. I don't know how long the period of time was. I can't say it. It, it wasn't. It was no seven years. That's for sure. Okay. It might have been a year, two years. I don't know. But I, of all the things I did in comics, that was the most enjoyable for me.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yes, it was, because I was writing and and drawing, and by that time, I could write better and draw better. And um, even though the Hulk wasn't my character, I still remember the stories I did. I. Let's see one story about about a prize fighter, an aged prize fighter. You know, it's enough to make you cry. I like stories <laughs> that would make you, that would bring tears to your eyes. Wonderful. I, actually, in the Rawhide Kid, I did a story of a gunfighter. This is one of my favorite stories. I remember I did a story of a gunfighter who was old and he wanted to die. He didn't want to go on being a gunfighter, but he wanted. To die in a gunfight, oh. and he was, and he wanted the Roy kid to kill him, wow, and he was going to goad him into a fight i don't remember how it ended but but that sounds pretty 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 uh, poignant doesn't it it sure does, yes, wow, that was my idea of a good story, you yeah. know yeah, and then in 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 this one the the old prize fighter let's see he had a daughter who was a model a glory you know, a fashion model. And she didn't like him because he had deserted their mother. I mean I mean this is really soap opera ish a little yeah. and and all you know. Yeah. And I like that story writing about it. And then of course there were gangsters involved who wanted him to throw a fight that he didn't want to and the daughter didn't like him and, and in the midst of all of this comes uh, I I always forget that we used to call him Bruce Banner, then it was David Banner i don't remember you know and the hulk and so that was one story I remember that I liked, and another one I actually had a story with three women who were out to capture the hulk and i and and i work and I picked three three women one one was uh uh Mona the mud wrestler she was a pretty <laughs> she was a pretty strong a pretty woman, but large, you know i yeah. mean she uh You wouldn't want to mess with Mona, you know. My second woman was a black girl who was a martial arts expert. Nice. And she was going to join up with them. And the third one was a girl with a rich father. And she came from Texas and wore a Texas cap and could use a lasso very well, you know. (laughs) So I had these three women, and and the rich father was in it, and they were going to capture the Hulk, and who do they meet but Banner on the way, you know. And they all get involved with Banner, not knowing he's the Hulk. What happened, how it ended, I don't remember. But I just remember enjoying those, drawing those three women, you know. right, right. I like that. And I even had a third one, but I'm I'm talking more than I intended to here. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm a real chatterbox tonight. I love it. I, you, you, it's okay. if You like it? Okay. I love good. it. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Uh, my next story. I decided I was going to make it. I don't know why. I mean, you know, I I've seen so many movies in the past, so many kinds, and this one I was going to do the Hulk. David is down south, and a southern plantation, which I know nothing about, of course. And there was a curse there, and one of the people on the plantation turns into a werewolf.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And it was going to be the Hulk against the werewolf. Yeah. And and it was a small southern town. And the sheriff, there was a sheriff in this town. And I decided I'd, like, I'd love the actor Walter Matthau. So I made the sheriff. I tried to. Make the sheriff look like Walter Matthau, you know. Yeah, nice. I thought he'd be, he'd be he'd have a great face for a southern sheriff, you know. Yep. yep. And and so that was my hulk. So the, those are the three stories I remember. Wow. And there might have been a couple more, but uh, and, and I enjoyed it, and it didn't save the, the 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 strip. And later on, I don't know what happened. It finally died out. The, the 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 feeling of success I had, or thought of, is years later when I started doing Spider-Man, which I've now done for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Oh God, <laughs> uh, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, I used to. There was a period. Oh boy, when well, I was married at the time, my wife was alive then. i had been widowed twice, which. Is no fun, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Wow! Yeah, but but I used to ink my own stuff. There was a period of time, and I think that might have been about seven years too longer than I thought. And I would ink the the uh, Spider Man, and I, was, I I was slow. I was always slow, and in order to ink it, I had to sit up all night. And I live in an apartment with a just a, a studio. my poor wife, who my God, she had three cancers, two before we were married, and one at and, and years of neuropathy, and then a final cancer
2: wow. after
1: seventeen years that she died from well, anyway, she used to go to sleep at night, and she had been a school teacher, who was also an artist, and um she'd go to and we had a little dog. And she'd go to sleep and the dog would go to sleep and I'd sit up all night trying not to scratch the pen too much because I'm in a studio, you know, <laughs> yeah. just a few feet from, from her bed, right, right. from our bed. And uh, in the morning I'd get up and uh, this was, and, and and she'd sometimes help me put a little black in there, you know, some of the blacks. And and I'd run off at the, at the last minute to the syndicate. Well... One day I got to the syndicate, and the editor, the poor fellow, died. His name was Jake Kennedy. He was the editor of King Features Syndicate. Okay. Very nice man and very, you know, competent. And he was talking to another man who had been, uh, what I forget his name now. I'm sorry to say, but he had been the editor of the Register and Tribune, which is where I did... Uh, wh- Uh, The Hulk for, for them. I had done The Hulk. And when I came in the place, or was leaving the place, this man from the Register and Tribune who was talking to Jay Kennedy, looked at me and he recognized me. And he said, there's Larry Lieber. He says, you know, he's one of the most more underrated writers in our business. And that made me feel very good, you know. Yeah. Because... Because the strip I worked on it folded, and I never felt very appreciated. Years later, I got an award. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, they, they, <laughs> it was a funny award. Well, I got I got it twice at the um, what do you call it? The the uh, oh the Comic Con of San Diego. Yep. Comic Con.
0: Is this the uh, the Ink Pot Award?
1: Uh, or the Bill Finger Award. Well, the first award, I don't know. I got for penciling. I got it for penciling, so maybe they call call that the Inkpot Award. I, I'm not sure. But the second award, this is funny, in in a way. They I got I got a call from them, and I think it was Mark Evanier who spoke to me, but I'm not sure. And and he said we're starting a new award for for underappreciated writers, you know. And wait a minute, it gets better. He says and it's being named after the man who created who wrote Batman, who was named Bill Finger. so i'm getting the finger you're getting the you finger know, <laughs> which uh, that's what i said i didn't quite <laughs> know how to take it you know? that's right and poor bill finger nobody knew about him but everybody knew about the don uh bob, bob kane. kane yeah right yeah oh god <laughs> and i i so so i i i i i said all right i'll go any anytime i get an award i'll go and I, so, I went and got that award the 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 finger award <laughs> I, I, yeah that's what they did and let's see so after that, I was doing spider man and still trying to get fast and if you were to ask me what am I proudest of in the in in this business, I will tell you I'm proudest that I struggled and I persevered to become fast. Comics are a business. Forgetting the billions they're making now from the machinery they have, right? Yeah. All that stuff that's in the movies. Well, it didn't start out that way. Right. And basically, it was a volume business. And even Jack Kirby, I mean, he he grinded it out. I, I once said he... Stan once said to Jack... Uh, 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 Jack, will you show Larry how to draw fast? I don't know, he gave me so Jack said, I'll I'll show him how I draw. And he showed me and it was a very simple thing and I said, Jack, I I, I don't notice any anatomy. What about anatomy? And he said, Larry, if I had to worry about anatomy, I couldn't get my pages out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that was was true. I mean, he knew anatomy but he didn't... uh, he he! It would have slowed him down. He simplified. He did what he had to, and and he he used to get out three pages a day yeah, of right. of those stories uh, that that I did. So all those years, I tried to get faster and faster. And recently, when I say recently, I'd say a couple months now, I've been able to do it to do all the pe- penciling. Now I only do the uh, Monday through Saturday. Sunday, somebody else does that. Right. But but drawing those six dailies, uh, the night before, I usually put in the lettering, which takes me a long time. But the day when I sit down, I say, now I'm in a pencil, the six dailies, I usually do it in one day. Nice. Wow, that's good. Which is about as fast as Jack was. So I finally, as an old man, achieved (laughs) it. And I did it. My perseverance. Wow, lifelong perseverance. If anybody perseverance. says to me, "Boy, you got talent. You can draw," I said, "It's not talent. It's perseverance. That's yeah. all it was."
0: What a good and lesson. I,
1: what I did was I had to, because it was before I did Spider-Man. I had trouble getting work, and Jim Shooter was now in charge. Of you know Jim Shooter. Yes. Uh, yes, I do. You know him. Yeah. Okay. And he was in charge of Marvel. And he was nice enough, he didn't have to do this, to give me, you know, I was slow, so he gave me some inventory stories to do. But he liked, He wanted what he wanted, which, of course, was his right as the art director. And he liked the way Kirby drew. He And Kirby, every artist has his own strong points and weak points, okay? Yep. And a guy like, for instance, Gene Colan was great at shadows, you know? Oh, yes. Putting... So he did Dracula, and he did it beautifully, and he uh, you couldn't match it. Uh, Kirby, was, I think, had started out as an animator, and he was very good at moving the figure. And he was—he could make the figure do anything. And I remember thinking, years later, I, I remember stories that, let's see, Dr. Doom, that Jack Kirby drew and then John Buscema drew. And I remember there would always be a scene, or not always, but there would be a scene of Dr. Doom sitting on his throne majestically, you know, looking out and... His arms resting on the arm pieces and a very dramatic shot of right. him looking out. Okay. okay. Kirby did it and Buscema did it. When The difference was when Buscema did it, the pose was no better. Kirby's pose was just as good, but Buscema's drawing was beautiful. The muscles, the, the, the light and the shade of it, Yose was the best artist I've uh, the best drawer i've ever seen wow and 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 that's my opinion, of course, yeah, uh, it's just an opinion. He could draw anything I, and and I never saw anybody draw like that, but Kirby would get the great poses just like anybody else, and he'd do it as simple as as he could and I always felt that Kirby and Stan were alike in this sense. If you drew, Kirby drew a comic as good as it could be, all right? If you drew better than Kirby, as Busema did, then it wasn't a comic. Then you're getting into uh, Michelangelo, into illustration.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. Stan wrote a comic as good as it could be. Now, if you wrote better than Stan, then you're writing something other than a comic. That was the way I felt okay. about it yeah. at that time. That, so they were almost the essential comic artists. They were the best, but no better than than the comic. That's all. They nice. were doing it for the money, right? And uh, Kirby might have been doing it for history. I don't know because he did have a a very high regard of comics. I think he 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 felt it was the um, an American art form or something, and uh, so. I think, but I spoke to him very seldom, and so I don't really know. You know, I met him very seldom Mm -hmm. and spoke to him very seldom. Many of those people I hardly knew. And uh, what else can I tell you? There was Jack, there was him. I told you about that. Oh, and then as far as I'm concerned, since you're calling me, about, I don't know when it was, I decided uh, some time ago, Oh, I know. I know what it was. All right. Now, now I got to get a little mushy. I'm afraid.
0: Uh-oh, Okay. But, I, but you're asking,
1: <laughs> so okay. I'll tell it to you, and I think you'll understand. Um, after my wife died, and it was a pretty difficult marriage, as you can appreciate, okay. uh, understand, I decided I wanted to write. Originally, I had wanted to be an illustrator. Or, or uh, I thought if I was ever good enough as an illustrator to be a fine artist. And when I started in comics, I I I, I was working for magazine management doing paste ups. I wasn't even good enough to do. I didn't know layouts. And along came the Korean War, and 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 I used to go to Pratt Art Institute in Brooklyn that night, three nights a week to study illustration. Well, I never learned painting. I had to quit to join the service. So, from 1951 to 55, I was in the United States Air Force, and I was on Okinawa for two years, and this was during the Korean War. I did not see action, but I was in the service there. Okay. And, uh, And the next time, when I got out of the service, I wanted to go back. I went to the Art Students League, and I wanted to learn painting. And I took a course with a man named Frank Riley who was very good as a teacher, but he was very uh what's I say, formularized. He had about ten steps to a painting. And he himself could paint, you know, illustrate as an illustrator. And he he had these ten steps. Well, I was up to step three or four <laughs> or five when I had to quit him too. And that's when, I won't go into it why exactly, but I had to earn a living. And that's when I started with Stan offering me the the comics and so on, Uh, doing the monster books. So I never really learned to paint. When I was doing Spider-Man, I think it was at that time, I decided if I were going to paint, what I would would have loved to have painted was, was people. So there was a guy teaching a course in painting. People and I took it for a while. It was one night, and he called it prima coup, which meant the first stroke, and you, and you finish the painting in in one night. Oh. Well, I had I had not painted, but I knew how to draw more more than some of the other people there. So uh, I would start drawing, and it was pretty good. You begin your painting with a drawing with a brush with burnt umber or something. And some little old ladies would try, and they weren't as good as me. But as I continued to paint, it got worse and worse because (laughs) I didn't know how to paint. But those little old ladies who had been painting apples and peaches, their painting got better and better. (laughs) You know? So it was very different. And also, I was just too tired. I couldn't do it. Even the inking, the reason I gave up the inking was one day after the seven years I I I had been up all night and I delivered my inking. And when I came out of King Features, for some reason I was trying to think of some numbers and my mind wouldn't work. I said, uh-oh, it's the time I can't take, uh, I was about 60 years old, I guess. I can't take sitting up all night anymore. So I gave up inking. I said, if I ever get fast, then I'll ink my own stuff, so I haven't inked my own thing since then, but anyway, getting back to the pencils, uh, not the pencils, the writing, so after my wife died, I felt I had to give some meaning to my life, that I didn't feel it, 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 other than being so much of a struggle, and I felt drawing would not be the way to do it, I felt writing would be the way. And I had already learned something of writing by doing comics. So I decided I want to write something, but not a comic. I want to write a novel, and I want it to be as uncomic-like as possible. So the conventional wisdom was and is, if you've never written before, don't start with a novel. Start with a short story. You know? okay. Start small. Take a small step. So, I did write a short story. It took me a long time, and uh, if you want, I can tell you about the story. I don't okay. know how much time we have here
0: um I'm good if you are okay, I know we're already off, if... we're already over our half an hour, but I'm good well, to go that's if you want okay to go okay
1: that's I'm not going any place. So well, let's keep going then okay, all right, so I wanted to write about my wife and myself somehow and turn it into a novel. I didn't want to write anything that was just factual and a sob story. If I'm going to make a sob story, I want it to be fictional, at least. So I, um, <clears throat> I wanted to write. I couldn't. I just couldn't. And I didn't understand why. And I think after my wife died, there was nobody in my life, and I had nothing to, to take in. Right. And if you don't have anything, you you can't put out. And I happened to see a movie. There was a picture that came out called Young Cassidy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it.
0: I don't think so, but I'll look it up.
1: Okay. Well, you can look it up. It's about. It was based on the playwright, the Irish playwright Sean O'Casey. And uh, in it, he was a young guy. He's played by the actor. He was Rod. Uh, Rod. What was his name? Taylor was his name, very vibrant, I think he's the poor guy is gone now, but he was a vibrant actor, and they show him as a young man in the Irish Rebellion, a lot of fighting, and he's writing plays, he's full of energy, and he uh, is befriended, or has a friend, I don't remember the, the, the average of the story, who was the playwright Yates, William Butler Yates, and Yates says to him one line, and in the movie they they make it fictitious, so they don't call him Sean Casey, they call him Cassidy. And he says, Cassidy, you have the warmth of your girl's body to inspire you now, Cassidy. But prepare, prepare for when you must be inspired by the Arctic waste. Oh, wow. And I felt that after my wife died, I was in the Arctic Waste. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't write a damn thing. Well, some years passed, and um, about 10 years ago now, my wife died in 97, about 10 years ago now, I met a woman, and we hit it off, and it turned out she had been a ballerina with the New York City Ballet company. Now, I uh, <laughs> I, I never liked the ballet. There's, there's an <laughs> irony to this. Yeah. And my wife used to want me to go. She loved anything cultural, you know, ballet, opera, concerts, and I I didn't that much. So, but now I was married to this woman, but she was no longer dancing. She was older, and I was old And I realized that I would never see her dance. So that gave me an idea for a short story. And my short story, I also felt I can't write about today because I don't know anything about today. I never had children. And if you have children, well, I don't know if you are married and you have children, I don't know anything about you.
0: I have three children.
1: All right. Then you know your, your children... Teach you about what's going on today, right? Yes, it's because true. they live in it, but I never had that so i'm I'm from the past from the fifties, you know, and I mean, I know today I read a newspaper, but i don't i I don't really feel like I belong in this world as it is hmm. so I picked for my time, I picked the time of the Korean War, and what I wrote was. A Korean, since I could never see my wife dance, I wrote about a Korean War veteran who's been blinded overseas in the Far East from an accident, not from war itself. And he's very bitter, and he's in New York City. And I have a heroine who's a ballerina. And she she herself is bitter because her brother, who was in the service, was just killed recently. And she's bitter over that. And these two people happen to meet. And I, I, I wrote this that as they get close, he goes one day to see her dance. He comes too late, and and at that time the uh, ballet company was dancing at the city center. And he goes there and he's wait in the waiting room, not the waiting, well, what do you call it? But you go in. I, I don't know what the hell you call it before you go into the theater. Uh, just the, the lobby. is out. The the lobby, lobby. thank you. The lobby it would be. And he sits down, they let him sit, he's sitting there, and and he hears the music they're playing with at Swan Lake or something. And when it's over, people come out and they're all praising this dancer that he's gotten involved with, he cares about her. And he realizes that he would never be able to see her dance, therefore never able to praise her. And he realizes how difficult, how hard, and they do work hard, dancers, they start as children, and
2: mm-hmm. they
1: really exhaust themselves to become dancers, and he feels it wouldn't be fair to marry her or, or to get involved with her. So he leads... And she wonders why she hasn't heard from him. She comes to his apartment. They talk. She tells him he's foolish. She loves him, and he loves her. They care about each other. Don't let that. But he insists. Finally, he says, "All right, I'll give it a chance. I'll do something." And it goes on with the good and the bad. And, and then one day, when she's taking her, they all take lessons. They they go for lessons even while they're dan- when you know as dancers. She hears. The teacher say something to one of the younger dancers, that Balanchine, he was the one who was running the ballet, Sky Balanchine, says, uh, had said, you must feel the music, feel the music. And she gets an idea. And she rushes to her lover. Because I figure, I, I give myself a problem. How the hell do I solve it? You know? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Any story, you got to solve it. So she rushes to him and she says, uh, I have a solution. And, you know, the first thing, well, what, you got a cure for blindness? And said, no, no, no. But I, I know how to solve our problem. Or what? And she says, I'm going to play. She's going to appear every, every year at Christmas time. They have uh, the New York City Ballet puts on the Nutcracker, the Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. They dance to that. Yeah. And she's going to be in it. And she says, I'm going to play. She has a record of it all. I'm going to play the music for you. I'm going to play it over and over until you really know every bit of it by heart. And she does so. Then she says, I'm going to now, I'm going to dance to it. And I'm going to dance what they call the Pave de deux, uh, which is a, a, a love duet that she dances at some part in it. And I guess it's the highlight of it with her cavalier, the man she's supposed to love or something. And I want you, as I dance, to touch me. I want you to feel my arm as I extend it, my leg as I raise it. You feel me all. And they're lovers, though so, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they've already made love. And uh, he does it, and they do this over and over and over. The purpose being that when he will hear the music, he will be able to imagine what she's doing. You know, he could hopefully sense it. Now, I didn't know if this was ridiculous or not, but I have showed the story to several people. Not one person has criticized this part of it. So I guess I, I, my solution is all right. Anyway, she goes and she the, the night comes and Balanchine is going to be there and I build up. She's nervous as hell. And she goes out, and this is after she has danced with her lover, and he's touched her and felt everything. Oh, and I got a part where he comes to the theater, and he's a blind man coming, and the usher doesn't know, do I give him a program? What? You know, you know there's an awkwardness. Yeah, and he yeah. sits down, and the people sitting next to him wonder, what the hell's a blind man doing at a ballet? You know, anyway, it's not their business, so they say nothing. And he sits there, and she goes and, and, and dances. And when it comes to her part where she dances with this uh, cavalier, she does it. And, and the women sitting next to our hero in the audience, our blind hero, they're commenting on how wonderful she is. And one of them says to the other, you know, you know I, I'll bet there's a relationship between her and that cavalier because nobody dances. It's almost like, you know, there's, there's something special. I've never seen her dance so well. So when it's all over, I have my heroine come back and as she walks back to the dressing room, she sees her and gives her a nod of approval. She's back there and then her the lover comes back well, she rushes to meet him afterwards somewhere, and they leave together. And she, she says to him, well, did it work? Did it work? And he said, yes. You felt me? You understand? Yes. So the thing was successful. Whoa. As they go out, I, I really play it up. I mean, this is Christmas, because they, they play it as Christmas. Yeah. It's snowing. There's Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. in the street with right. the bell tinkling. right? Yep. And, and she's walking and talking. She says, and you know, we got a double bonus. And he says, what? And she says, well, the whole time that I was dancing with my Cavalier, I was thinking of you.
2: Uh.
1: It was your head on me. You were touching me and holding, and this and this, and that's what gave the great performance. And And that's sort of how I end the story. Wow. So I thought it was a good little story, you know, and the people I showed it to. My brothers thought it was lovely, you know, and others. I've never tried to sell it because you can't make anything on uh, uh, on one short story, number one. And number two, I'm afraid somebody will tell me they don't like it, and I don't want to hear that, you know. Right. So I, I just keep it, and uh, and what I do is give copies of it to people, to a few people I know, and all of whom have, have, have liked it and, and feel there's a warmth to it and a... Uh, I don't know, something very nice. Yeah. And uh, after I did that, I started, which must be about eight years now, I started my novel. And this I can't tell anybody about at all, you know, what what it is. I'm almost finished with it, but I've been trying to write it. And unfortunately, what happened is my uh, the second woman in my life I didn't marry, but she was my life partner. And he, she got ill and died. Wow. So that's what I mean. I've been, so now I am back in the Arctic waste.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: trying to finish this book, this novel, while I still do uh while I while I still do my Spider Man. But uh the novel I'll say this about it. It isn't the novel that I really want to write, which whenever I tell that to my brother makes him laugh. It's a novel that I feel has some uh, commercial you know, value to it, and I'm hoping that I can make a little money on that so that I could leave Spider-Man. Or if I had the nerve, i just leave Spider-Man and the hell with it because I ain't going to live forever. I'm an old man now. But uh, I I don't have the courage. I'm not very brave. And um, but um, so I'm, I'm but I want to finish it. And when I do, then I'll really, if I'm still alive, you know, start the book that I that I would like to write. And uh, but this one I like, and I can put things, put thoughts in there, and you know, you manage to put things in if you want. If I could do it with the with the hulk i could do it with the what i'm doing now
2: yeah right
1: <laughs> i'm hoping it's, it's it's not a comic and uh, you know that it's it's more and uh, and uh, and that and that's my life you you have my whole life story practically <laughs> that's fantastic so so i'm sitting here at at the age of 86 and i've got about how much have i written of this i i've written 84,000 words wow and the average book I I, I read about that that uh, I you know I I read one of the most popular books uh, that the, that's selling uh, well. There's Harry Potter that was about ninety thousand, and then there was the the one uh, the the Hunger Games, and uh, I guess that, that's about the same. I tried to figure out what makes a book sell, you know. And then there's that one, uh, the uh, Shades of Gray. That I <laughs> that 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 one I I'm not getting into, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was I was amazed about that. I went to Barnes and Noble, and I said, "Tell me," I, I said, "Who reads this book?" I assumed it was just young women, you know. Who, are, and the guy says, "No, women of all ages are reading this book." Wow. So I I said, "Oh boy, wow." And then I read it. I I I think I was too embarrassed to read it while while my my lady was alive. But after she was gone, I said I'm going to read it to and see what. Have you read it by any chance? I
0: have not read it. No.
1: Well, I read it, and I can understand because I was trying to figure out what makes a book popular. And for me, I mean, when I read Harry Potter, I said, "Well, for God's sakes," I said. Nobody has ever written a book about magic this way with a school and this and that. It only occurred to me recently that Stan did that in effect, didn't he, with the X-Men? That was pretty much, school? yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That you know, it never occurred to me. <laughs> so maybe I'm not so bright. I or it just didn't occur. I, I guess I wasn't putting mutants with magic, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it was the same idea of a school. With young people so maybe that gave the woman an idea because i'm sure the x-men came out first
0: oh yes it did and, yeah
1: yeah and and uh so i don't know maybe not but uh, but it's a wonderful idea she had and she wrote well and she certainly has an imagination and writes nicely and all the books she wrote uh, you know to, to come after that and the other book i said well I could see why this sells because this this is uh I mean how do you put a book down where where it's life and death every page you know will somebody die who will be killed today? how will they be killed right. uh, so that that's enough to hold your interest it sure is. and the third and the third book I read the first ninety pages there's none of this uh none of the kinky sex in the first ninety. But what there is a guy who is so good looking, I could go for him myself. I mean, this, I mean yeah. this this guy is 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 amazing. So 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 she's got a very intriguing story of a fantastically appealing and good looking rich man. I mean, how do you do better? And then you get into the stuff after ninety pages. So I don't know. I I I I I can. I, I all you can do is 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 is, is, is do your own thing, and so, then there are different ways of writing. And some people lay it all out, and then write a first draft. And a, I'm not doing that. I write as I go, okay. and I edit and I edit. and I go over paragraphs and paragraphs. And Before I go on to the next. So, if I go to an editor and they say, if you change this, do that, I say, forget it. You know, I'm I'm not changing anything. Don't take it. I don't care. But, um, because I can't spend (laughs) any more time on it. It's simple. So, that's my story. Now, I will answer any question you have about anything with comics or whatever you want to know or anything else. Well, um,. I uh, I think we should uh,
0: address some of the superheroes that you've worked on since that's such a popular thing these days. There's an Ant-Man mm-hmm. movie coming out pretty soon. Uh, right, sequel.
1: right. I, so, oh, 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 I'll tell you about the names. I didn't tell you about that.
0: Sure, tell okay. me.
1: My brother, Stanley, of course, made up the characters, the, the, the superheroes. But he happened to like my names for the civilians. I made up the civilian names, all right? Okay. So... I had to make up a name. It originally started with the Ant Man you mentioned, and I figured the, uh, the Ant Man was supposed to be a scientist. So I figured, what's the name of a scientist? And I used to look at the back of the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, the collegiate dictionary. They have two sections: one biographical names and one geographical names. And when I started writing, I'd look there and, uh, to get an idea. And somewhere I came across the name, I don't know if it was both names, but Henry Pym. And I said, I like Henry Pym. That's a good name for a scientist, you know? Nice. Henry Pym, it sounded. So that's the name I gave him. I was thrown when I went to see the movie, and they're calling him Hank. <laughs> to me, <laughs> Hank, Hank is the name you call a guy who works in a garage. Hey, Hank, have you finished uh, <laughs> right. uh, putting yeah. on the tires yet? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, Not that the what I made. I also made up the name of the of of Iron Man, not I not Iron Man. No, that was Stan. But I made up uh, what the hell did it? Anthony Stark. Right. Because I Stan said he's a rich man, he's a rich man who's a sci who's a scientist, whatever the hell what he was. And I said all right, Stark, Anthony. When the first time I went to the movie, they're calling him Tony. Well, <laughs> Tony is all right. If you're doing a romance movie, and his girlfriends are calling him Tony, you know the girls call him Hey Tony, you know maybe short for Anthony, I don't know, but I still like Anthony. Thor, they just changed the name altogether, I guess. I I called Don Blake, he was a doctor, Dr. Don Blake. Yeah. But my best story, and I do have a good story to tell you, if you unless you know it. You know about the Uru Hammer? Uh,
0: why don't you tell me?
1: Okay, I'll tell you that. This will entertain you, I hope. And uh, <laughs> let me see if I have, have. Okay, they were they were doing Thor. He had to have a hammer. I figured, all right, Stan wants a hammer. I figured the hammer should have a name, and to, you know, rather than just saying my hammer. I I don't know well, unless Stan told me to give it a name or I made it. I I don't know what. But I was always thinking of, of of other people, and the next person on the assembly line to make this comic would be the letterer. And I didn't want to give the letterer much to letter, you know? So I figured, all right, I'll make up a name, and I didn't know. This one I made up myself. I didn't get it from any book or anything. It just came to me. I said, I'll call it something, something mythical, or, 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 you know, that makes no sense. I can say it's a... Is something different. I'll, make, I'll call it Uru. U R U. Yeah, that's that. It just <laughs> came to me. Nice. So I called it the Uru Hammer. Now I call it this, and I don't remember whether I used that name in the first or the second, or I don't remember how many I wrote. A couple, I used it when. And I'm in the office one day when Roy Thomas, who is the editor, comes over to me. And he's carrying a book of Bullfinch's mythology. Bullfinch's mythology is the definitive guide of mythology. Okay. You know, I, I don't know who the hell Bullfinch was, but he wrote a book or something, mythology on all mythology. And he and he's got and he's turning the pages and he's got it and he and he comes and he says, Larry, where, where in this book did you find the Uruhama? You know, <laughs> I said. I didn't find it in the book. I didn't look it up. I, I made it up. Well, he gave me a look like what? Yeah. You had the unmitigated gall, you know, to take it <laughs> upon yourself to make it up. You know, he he, he was flabbergasted. You know, he couldn't say a word. He he just looked at me and turned and walked away.
2: <laughs>
1: well, after that, he must have looked it up in Bullfinch's mythology, and he came up. The real name is of The Molgeniers. Some name I can't even pronounce. Right. Molnar. Yeah. Or Mol- Molnir. Yeah. That's that's authentic, you understand? I mean, as authentic as it can be, considering there's no such person as Thor, as far <laughs> as we know. Right. So he made that up, okay? Okay. Uh, oh, and I understand that that in order to justify what Lieber the Fool had done, <laughs> they, they say that Uru... Isn't the name of the hammer, but uru is the metal it comes from. Right. So, so somebody explained it. Okay. All right. Now what happens? I go. Years pass, and I get invited the first time to go to get the but maybe what you call the Inkpot Award for drawing. And uh, while I'm there, they put me on a panel, and I'm on a panel with some good people, and I think. This goddamn good writer who I'll never be—I'll never be a tenth as good. To, uh, what's his name? Oh, the guy who wrote uh, *Cavalier and Clay*. Uh, oh, Michael Chabon. Yeah, I mean he's a good writer. This guy can write. Yeah. You know he ain't okay. So I think he was on the panel too. I couldn't see who was there because I'm—they were all alongside me. So I'm sitting on the panel, and. Uh, uh, he might not have been on. He might have been on another panel, but uh, anyway, I'm mentioning him. And uh, the audience is asking questions. I don't remember who is moderating or anything. And somebody asked me, "How did you come up with the uru hammer?" So I tell them the story just as I've told it to you. And I said the uru and Roy Thomas, and it wasn't a da da da. And when I tell that story, I hear a woman's voice. There was there was some young woman who worked for DC Comics, I think. And she says, You mean you don't know what Uru means? You didn't know what Uru means? I I said, How the hell do I know? I don't speak Norse mythology. I barely speak English. (laughs) That was my answer. I thought I was cute. I barely speak English. She says, Well, in Norse, in the Norse language, oh, that, that was what she said. You mean you don't know in Norse language what uru means? I said, How the hell do I know? You know right. I'm not. I, 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 she says, well, in the in the Norse language, uru means strength and power. Whoa. It actually has a meaning. <laughs> so I didn't say. It. I said, well, I, I was. I didn't say anything. I was just flabbergasted. Amazing. I said, oh, that's nice. I'm glad. You know. Wow. Anyway, so that, that so that's my that's my uru story.
0: That's great. That,
1: that in my <laughs> ignorance, I I I I used an appropriate word.
0: That's amazing. Thank you, Larry. This has just been fantastic. Learning about you and and your life and everything like that. Um, what a what a what an incredible career you have. And thanks for sharing that story with us. The short story that was quite special.
1: About the short, yeah. Well, thank you for listening, and I. And and I I hope you liked it anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I will hope hope to read it the actual real deal for at some point. <laughs> well, maybe one day. And it's especially great to talk with someone from the '60s, from the beginning, because there's uh there's not a whole lot of you left.
1: No, there isn't. I'm I, I'm probably well. Joe is. Yeah. Joe is from the '60s, and uh, uh, Dick, I think, is gone now. Jack is. is gone. Yep. And Stan is, well, you know. Yep. And uh, Steve is
0: still alive, apparently. Steve Ditko, but he doesn't like to talk to people. Yeah, he,
1: uh, I, I don't know. It, it, he doesn't speak to anybody, does he?
0: No, he doesn't,
1: no. I, from what I gather, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not even sure if I ever met him. <laughs> I think when <laughs> yeah. I worked at Seaboard, I might have met him uh, once, but I'm not certain. Yeah. I don't know. He's a private guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I could tell you one thing about him fast. Sure. I'll tell you. Okay. In those monster books. Steve did the one amazing fantasy, and Stan wrote the stories himself. And he wanted Steve, and Steve drew them. Okay. Okay. I think all those stories Stan wrote. And they worked together. And he told me one day Steve won't talk to him. He won't come to the office. He won't talk to him. But Stan still gave him work and worked with him, and I thought to myself, "My God, how many editors in this business would work with a man who wouldn't who, who wouldn't talk to them?" You know? Yeah. And and I gave Stan credit for that. For him, the main thing was: is this? Do I think this guy is good, and will the book work, and so on? I thought, that, what a lack. I mean, Stan, Stan may have an ego, and I'm sure many people think it's large, but you've got to also have a lack of it. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for
0: sure, absolutely.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, to, to work with a guy who wouldn't—we uh, told him—we wouldn't, wouldn't speak to him, wouldn't have anything to do with him, but but took but took the work and handed it in, and they worked together. Right. So I guess they must have done had some communication. Anyway, I'm I'm I'm. I uh, hope I didn't take too much of your time. Once I get started, well, you learn that about me too. Thank you very much, Larry. Appreciate uh, it. You're very welcome.